Hey everybody and welcome to another amazing episode of Finding Peaks. Yours truly, host Chris Burns, president and founder, my co-host Jason Friesma, our chief clinical officer, and our clinical supervisor. I have been trying to get Rebecca on, um, <laughs> but because of my poor planning, I haven't been able to, um, but we had this date locked in for the last month. We have Rebecca Axton, our clinical supervisor, as well as licensed professional counselor, Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank yeah, you. Welcome. Thank you so you, much. Yeah. Good to I've have been you looking forward couch. to this, actually. A little nervous, but I've been looking forward yeah. to this. I was actually, I got a, as I was walking in here today, um, I got a new heart rate monitor that I was trying to set up before I came over here. And I was interested to see if I would wear that throughout the show, where my heart rate would go up and down. It would really create some honesty, huh? <laughs> okay. You'll have to report back to see yeah. how it goes. So next show, I'm going to wear my Polar heart rate monitor just to see where things are at. Um, but I had the opportunity this morning, a really cool opportunity. Um, Rebecca sat in my circle, um, which was a, a new thing today. She has sat in before, but it hasn't been in in a while. And I was talking to some, uh, some professionals that we have in care. We, we tend to have a, a kind of a heavy concentration of mature adults and professionals with us right now. And just talking about work-life balance and how difficult of a topic that is to address, um, to adhere to, to be clear with. Um, and I was checking in with some clients, and I had the opportunity to check in with Rebecca afterwards, and it was just perfect timing, because we're doing the show today, and she is our clinical supervisor. Um, and at the end of my circle group, I, I told a story um, of about two and a half years ago. And then two and a half years ago, I had the opportunity, about a little over two and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to start to engage in my mental health care, really in a more intentional way than I had in my recovery. And it had dawned on me throughout that work, and really in the infancy stages of that work, um, that my work-life balance was really off. Um, and I was spending far more time active and involved in work processes, answering emails, whether it was thanks, just have a good day, whatever it might be, than I was actually spending time working on myself um, and more intentionally spending time with my family. And so um, had a great conversation today. And I went into that leadership meeting, um, and I said, and I was so scared when I went in there. I thought everybody was going to boo me out of the room. And my counselor and I had worked on this boundary because I, I defined some values that were really important to me that I was willing to protect. And so I went into leadership and I said, hey, um, you know, I, I, you guys can't call me after five unless it's an emergent issue. And on the weekends, um, my phone is off. <laughs> and unless it's an emergent issue, emergencies only. And I was just like kind of held my head down, had a little bit of shame come up. And maybe Jason was one of the first ones. But they could all see it clearly. There was 10 to 15 professionals that were far more educated, um, far more um, uh, having lo longer lasting work histories, have been through a lot more, and it saw it very clearly in that moment that my work-life balance was off. And I felt really seen on that day. And I also was talking with Rebecca about another thing, and we'll check in on this, is one of the greatest compliments I get when I'm client-facing, when I have the opportunity to sit with clients, men and women, and have smoothies or coffee, is they always stop me and they say, Chris, differently than any place I've ever been, your team loves to work here. They love what they do. They love the vision. You can tell they're behind this 100%, and that means the world. They're present for this opportunity. And so um, I wanted to start with those first two things and maybe talk to Rebecca a little bit about what she does in supervision to get peaks to a place where we receive compliments like that. It's not an easy task. And a lot of times in small business, as you grow, that can get off center sometimes. And how do you keep that in the forefront as you sit with CCAs, clinicians, 
um, what have you, um, to keep that work-life balance in focus. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Welcome. I, you know, one of the core values of PEAK, which is really one of those things that draws people into PEAKs, is that we have this work-life balance, right? We, we promote wellness from within um, and for ourselves and what that looks like. So this, this statement that we have to have this value of work and, and wellness as, as a separate thing. So to be able to check out of work and check into wellness or yourself, and wellness for, for each of us looks a little bit different, but it could be uh, spending time with your family, mm. right? Re-engaging with your spouse or your kids and not like continually checking mm. uh, in on work because every time you do that, you're taking away from your wellness and your family or anything else that you might doing. Hiking, biking, running, uh, being with your friends, because that's also another important part of your wellness. Um, and sacrificing all of your life, which is really why we work, is to have a life and to have family and engagement um, for work. I mean, work is really important. Absolutely. And we, as an employee myself, I love checking in and working with this company because of the values, because of what we do. Uh, the, the, the immense pleasure that I get from working with clients and staff is incredible. It gives me a sense of fulfillment. But I also have to have a time when I can check out. Mm -hmm. And that's just as important. Yeah. What do you find is, is maybe some of the barriers for maybe young professionals and even seasoned professionals? You know, I've had, obviously, I just shared an experience of where I kind of walked blindly and, and kind of had my blinders on and my armor on and just kind of square peg, round hole stuff, but what are some of the barriers that you see for professionals in creating that work-life balance and to really see its value? Uh, I think a barrier is fear. Mm. Fear that I'm not good enough. Um, fear that if I don't check all in 100% of the time that I'm going to miss something or I'm going to be fired. Um, and I think that's what really keeps people in that space is, yeah. is fear. Sure. I, th I think it's a little bit of an outcropping too of uh, our teams and our entire team really cares about one another and we never want to leave anybody in the lurch. And it's mm -hmm. certainly one of our core values, one team, one shift. And I think it can be, uh, that can uh, inadvertently bleed into like, well, I just, I gotta make sure everybody's supported all the time. Right, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it can be really difficult too. And and I was talking with Rebecca before the show, before you came in, and some of these leadership positions, you know. I can remember being a, a professional and getting promoted. Wow, how good that feels and how much you wanna show up and how much you wanna, you know, share that blood, sweat, and tears and you just wanna be there, um, only to find out that work life balance is so important. And so it's it's tough too, professionally, when you get to some of these positions, you know, <coughs> clinical supervisor, chief clinical officer. You know, we work our whole careers to get to these spots and um, to be clear with what our values are um, and to engage in that on a daily basis is, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be really, really difficult. Yeah. <clears throat> and working 24 seven, it's just not sustainable. Mm. Because if you can't take care of yourself and find some time to carve out for you for rest, mm. for self care, um, you are then not authentically showing up anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's so important in this job to be able to check in and say, I am totally here for you, especially when we're working with people's mental health. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that ability to guide clients into kind of this quality of life, in this mental health care, in this mental wellness, and I believe, at least in my experience, and I'm sure you're all's as well, is like clients are looking far more than they're listening at times. Mm. You know, actions often speak louder than words, and you know, I'm called to a time um, when I was just a house manager, you know, years ago, and um, I was filling in for the uh, residential supervisor, and I was in a clinical meeting, and they were interviewing a new clinical director, and I knew nothing about what was going on. But the person that they were interviewing didn't smile once. Um, it looked like she hadn't taken a day off in 10 years. She looked unhappy, unkept. Um, she was really passionate about the work she was doing. She was very knowledgeable and very educated. Mm. Um, but I remember the HR person in the facility said, hey, what do you think? And I said, I just, she couldn't lead me. I just, I want to be inspired. And I think a lot of that is showing um, others how to do that. And so I want to turn it over to you, Jason, in, in your role, which is so important, something you've engaged in over the last year um, is that physical side of things. And mm -hmm. I think that really speaks volumes in leadership and just taking um, care of yourself holistically. Um, what, is, what is it like to be in that position and to continue to engage not only in work-life balance, but making sure that I can be inspirational to others, because it is so much about being a bright light. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and to be clear, I'm really not perfect at this. Uh, <laughs> None <laughs> of are, us are. We were actually talking about how uh, imperfect when we When I were. have worked a lot, and I'm probably not the most inspirational human on the planet, but um, you know, something I was thinking about as you guys were talking um, is you know, I have been running a lot more in the last six or eight months, and, and I do owe some of that, a lot of that to you, Chris, too. Like, jump-starting that, but um, I have an app, uh, you know, the Nike Run Club app, and I listen to a coach on that app, and, and he talks about, like, your one-mile pace, so, like, how fast you can run for one mile, and then, like, your half-marathon pace and your marathon pace, and those are way slower, yeah. and, and I try to apply that to, like, work. Like, we're in a long, we're in a marathon uh, mm -hmm. to work, and so that does require not you can't sprint for a marathon. I don't care how good a shape you're in. Uh, yeah. you, you have to be able to feel like I could be running faster, but I actually need to not run faster. And, and that, that can be hard for me if I'm going to be honest with you, because like, I'm, I'm pretty driven. I'm pretty like, uh, I, I kind of like to be the first in last out type guy. Um, and first back in if, you, you know, if there's a crisis. Example. Yeah, I know. I know. And like, I, I, and I value that part. Um, but I also know that, like, I do need to be careful with that because <laughs> mm -hmm. it is tiring, to be honest with you. And, and so learning how to scale back and learning how sometimes to go home at an earlier time is a, is a process. And to your point, Chris, because, you know, like walking into, like, a clinical meeting or whatever and, like, having the energy and the vision to, to cast a vision and to say this is where we're headed or this is where we're struggling and here's, here's some solution or give me solutions, like, mm -hmm. It takes some energy, and yeah. it can't. That can't come f if my tank is empty. Uh, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. But what I really love about you and your leadership position, you do like you bridge this gap very well, and you run that sprint in in moments yeah. that, that are needed. There are moments where and you need it for sure. We yeah. all need it. Like yeah. I've been in a in a season right now where I've had to run a sprint to bridge a gap, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I, I need to slow down now. Yeah. But but the way you bring your honesty and your vulnerability to your staff um, 
in those moments like, okay, so I've been running this, this marathon here and, and now it's time for me to just slow down a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And experience what your team, what you've done so and let your team take over, mm -hmm. right? That's been the huge part. Yeah. Is <laughs> learning how to trust yeah. Uh, yeah. others. But what I figured really, out is that trust actually is empowerment. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Very much so <laughs> yeah. empowerment. Yeah, it's but very to vulnerable. hear it from, you know, uh, the corporate side coming down yeah. is this thing. It's like, yes, we all have moments where we have to give it our all and then we need to rest. Yep. We need to recuperate. Mm -hmm. How are you leaning into that? Right. Will help other people below you not to feel that fear like if I stop I'm gonna get fired, or right. if I stop, I'm gonna you know, fall behind. Yeah. Because we have this team mentality, which is really great in this mm -hmm. company. Yeah. And everybody really leans into that. You don't get this everywhere. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time in the corporate world, everyone's out for themselves. Yeah. But in this, in this company, in this, in this field, we have to rely on each other for support. Mental health is hard. Yeah. It's yeah. a strain, it is, it is difficult to carry others pain for them mm -hmm. and with them mm -hmm. and to walk with them in those seasons and then give them back what's remaining when you're done walking with them to be able to take care of yourself yeah absolutely and it, it, it's bringing up kind of another point that we kind of touched on a little bit this morning that i think is just it's so simple but it's just it's very loud and it's very bright and i'll give this one to coach juan he always says it to me but when we have good work-life balance and we're good and well mentally attuned and um, engaged in our wellness, we're able to make slight course corrections, right? And so we're just kind of these slight course corrections, which don't really hurt, aren't intense, aren't jarring. Um, you know, but with my personal experience, when I get off to the left too far, I have to make a big, intense correction, which is really jarring to my nervous system, my routine, the people that are close to me, um, the people that I love, the vulnerable people that I get to sit with, you know. Uh, you name it. So um, making those slight course corrections, which I know is a lot about clinical supervision, is, is just these little opportunities for progress, as we kind of touched on before the show as well. Is How do you get to that point with clinical team members to make slight course corrections and continue to be empowered throughout the process? Mindfully, hmm. right? Uh, <laughs> To be able to sit, sit with people and just kind of witness what they're going through and using not only past experience for yourself, but just hearing what they're having to say and, and noticing in those moments where their tender spots are mm -hmm. to help them kind of course correct. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you're too invested in this area mm -hmm. and how can we place some boundaries and kind of reel it back a little bit and just be more um, aware of what's going on around us. Right. Not, not trying to fix people, mm -hmm. but to guide them. Right. Because you know, can you fix another person? No, they have to really kind of come to this awareness of yeah. what they need. Yeah. Most people have the answer that they already need. Mm -hmm. They just are so invested in all of their stuff that they can't see the answer. Yeah like that. I can't see myself in the forest because there's too many trees, right. but coming in outside, I can look kind of over the trees and mm -hmm. say, there you are. Yeah. So let's just kind of move things out a little bit. Take a left. Mm -hmm. Small course correction to the left yeah. or to the right. Yeah, yeah my, I have a, one of my college buddies is a golf coach at a local high school here. And like when I've golfed with him, um, usually about the 
I figured this out on the first or second hole. One of the times I play with them, I'm like, listen, correct one thing uh, of mine. But like, if you're telling me about my stance and my grip and my backswing and my left arm, and uh, like, I'll lose it all. Like, it's too much to try to work on at once. Like, pick one thing, and then I can work on that. And I, I kind of apply that in supervision settings, right? Like, some people may have a, a few things to correct, but like, if we can find a find one thing, like, let's just work on this. Let's work on attunement with your clients, or let's work on little aspects, um, and then let that change set in, and then find the next thing to work on. I think uh, that's how yeah. that's how I kind of approach that. And, and that's one thing with all of my supervisees, the, the last question I ask them before we leave is, so, so what is the one thing that you're gonna work on mm. this week? Yeah, that's a great question. That's great. So that they can really just like take all of this, but focus on the one thing to correct so they don't lose it all. Yeah, that's really great too. And then you follow back up a couple weeks and it's like, where are we at with this? Mm. You know, have an opportunity for growth over here. Everything's going phenomenally. Yeah. Um, that's really nice, man. I would love to be supervised by you guys. <laughs> I've been really trauma-informed. <laughs> but, you know, to your point earlier, Rebecca, we don't, we don't know what people's work experience is either. Yeah. And I was told years ago, PM Melody said it first, like, you know, anything that gets me elevated above a five has to do with the past. Mm -hmm. And some people, most people in general, come from work situations that are really intensified. Um, and we're just coming off the backs of, you know, kind of Machiavellian culture and leadership where it's just kind of top-down approach. And so a lot of people have trauma in the workplace. Yeah. And I think that's something that your all's clinical team does so well is you create safety and then you have this kind of vulnerable discussion and you're clear with each other. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about um, when we were talking about this was what if somebody's value system is work? Have you ever had that? Oh, definitely. Right, and so do you, do you throw them in or do you, how do you take care of that person in that exchange? Uh, what are you avoiding? Like the, uh, yeah. curiosity, that's sure. usually what yeah. I ask. Yeah, like what, what is it? And, and, and again, because is it a value system or is it its own kind of response to other things in life? Like that, yeah. that's where I would start with sure. that question. Have you seen it be a value system for somebody? Work, definitely. Yeah because that's, they come in, that is their identity. Okay. And I think, you know, not to stereotype, but men uh, tend to gravitate towards that area sure. more readily than women do. Women tend to focus on family, right, their kids, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, where men is like, I am what I do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they identify with that. That becomes their core value. Yeah. If I don't have work, then who am I? Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, work on that clinically speaking with individuals. It's like so as they retire, as they move into family life. Mm -hmm. So you've you've spent your life building this this work value system, and now you want a family, right? You met somebody, and you're having children, and how do you divide your time with that? Mm -hmm. And so you can stay in relationship because if you stay focused on only work, you're not going to be in your family for very long. Sure. Right, yeah. you were talking about your wife saying, "Hey, yeah, right, for sure. I, I, I need some of you as well." Mm -hmm. And so, and then maybe they're retiring, and then it's like, "Well, who am I?" That's a big point of struggle. Who am I now that I retire? What do I do? Do mm -hmm. I just sit home and die? Mm -hmm. Trying to help help people understand that you are more valuable than just what you do for a living. Right, there is more essence of you. Yeah, people are gonna watch this episode and just be like, "I just need." 
some of that <laughs> in my life. I hope so. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I just I think it's something that, you know, it, we, we made a core value for a reason and really doesn't get talked about and celebrated enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was telling Rebecca before the show, at least it's my opinion, and I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm sure Jason's got a similar opinion in those that are close to me, but production is up. Time spent is down for me. Um, and I think people can really look at that for what it is, but I think each person can create in their ecosystem, in their professional ecosystem, in their family ecosystem, in their recovery ecosystem, some balance. Um, and I think it's a great topic to have, especially when we're talking about mental health. And we've learned that this whole process that we're wrapped around is all about becoming a more mentally healthy human. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I love working here because there is that. We show up for the clients, but if we can't show up for ourselves, and we tell this to our clients all the time, if we can't show up for ourselves and really understand you know, what we need uh, and we just focus and be intense all the time around one thing, we cannot show up for the clients. Mm-hmm. And so when I love that you hear from the clients mm-hmm. that your team is very passionate and they're very present with mm-hmm. us. And that's because we really focus on making sure that the message to the team is that you have to have wellness. Yeah. yeah. You have to have wellness. I love that. That's a beautiful message to leave for the viewers as well. And um, that's why Rebecca is our clinical supervisor. And that's why we're thrilled at the opportunity for her to sit in front of um, some of our great, great clinical team members and really enhance the client experience and enhance the work life experience. Um, so thank you so much for coming on today. You've got a great team. We do have a great team. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Jason, would you like to leave the people with anything? Work-life balance, clinical supervision, mental health. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think we talk about it a lot on, on this show, but like, you know, integrity, oneness, wholeness, right? I think part of that is I present well at work because I'm taking care of myself at home and vice versa. If I'm taking care of, my, care of myself at work, then I'm going to show up well at home. And, um, and I think that matters because I think when you talked about the person whose value is work, like, how, is that integrous with the rest of their life? And, and what does that look like? And, um, and I think that's what our, our clients pick up on our genuineness. We like to work here. We can tell you guys like each other. Like, I hear these things too. Like, you, your staff seems to like each other. It makes it really yeah. easy to engage clients and engage uh, people that walk in our door and families over the phone or whatever when, when, we're, when we have a high uh, degree of support and just uh, job satisfaction and happiness. Yeah. Um, and I do think um, that is reflected with our staffing levels and everything like that. Like we have a lot of staff for the amount of clients we have, but it's, it's because that's what it takes for us to care for one another and to, to run a marathon pace. Yep. Um, because I think there's a lot of organizations and I, you know, we hire clinicians from them that are, they're running sprints and their clinicians turn over really rapidly because they're running sprint pace. They can only do it for nine months before they're just toast. I've been at peak seven and a half years. It's crazy to think about. And, uh, um, because I mostly run marathon pace sometimes. <laughs> hey, man, we've both been on the sprint together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's okay. And, you know, as the president and founder of an organization with, you know, over 110 employees, these are tough conversations to have. Because yeah. what, what I like to have Rebecca and Jason hovering over everything every hour of every day and being like, do this, try this, do this. Sure, that would be great, but that's not sustainable. 
um, what is sustainable is mental wellness and the delivery that we get to show in action to our clients on a daily basis what this recovery process looks like. And I am through the roof and honored to be on another episode of Finding Peaks connected with great professionals, but even better humans. Until next time, this is our Labor Day episode as well, so happy frickin' Labor Day. Hope everybody's taking it easy, putting your feet up, drinking a, I really like, I've been on this mocktail thing lately, like the fruitier the better, pineapple, <laughs> strawberry, I like the pina colada, strawberry, non-alcoholic, of course, it's my jam. I would imagine it doesn't taste better with alcohol, I'm just saying. Um, so happy Labor Day, everybody. I know everybody works their butt off coming out of the pandemic. I just want to honor each and every one of you um, from Peaks Recovery. Um, take it easy. Find us on our podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok. Um, we got some new TikToks coming out. Um, Instagram, Facebook. Until next time, my people. Peace.